Good and gracious God, we come before you today. I ask that you open our hearts and minds for what you have to say to us. May we live it out as you plant it deep into our souls. Touch my mind, my heart, my mouth, that I might proclaim your good news. May it be acceptable in your sight, my blessed Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I have had the most fun doing this research on this new sermon series, Won't You Be My Neighbor, on Mr. Rogers. So I would like for you to turn to the person next to you and say, you are special. And may I say, Marvin, you are really special. Yeah. <laughs> that was something Mr. Rogers did, wasn't he? He made each and every child feel special. I want to begin our conversation this morning with a few quotes from him. I believe that appreciation is a holy thing, that when we look for what's best in a person we happen to be with at the moment, we're doing what God does all the time. So in loving and appreciating our neighbor, we're participating in something sacred. Mm. Another thing he said, if you could only sense how important you are to the lives of those you meet, how important you can be to the people you may never even dream of, there is something of yourself that you leave at every meeting with another person. Oh, how true is that? There is something of yourself that you leave at every meeting with another person. You are special. When I was doing children's ministry years and years ago, that's how I began in ministry, was with children. And um, I would do the children's time, just as Sean did this morning. And with every time we got together and had a small conversation, I would end it with, and remember, you are special. There's been some hype over the years by psychologists that, that have said that we've made children think they're too special. Creating an entitled society, they say. Nothing could be further from the thought, I think, because Mr. Rogers would agree that by telling a child they're special, they know they're loved. And I don't think that we're creating entitlement by telling them that they're special and unique, wonderfully made, as the psalmist says, in God's loving image. Each one of us have someone in our life who's made us feel special. Can you think of someone in your life that has made you feel loved, unique, They've accepted you just the way you are. Can you think of someone? Probably each one of us have a, a face that comes into our mind. And one of the things that we have in common as people of God, children of God, is that we were all children once, right? Even Jesus was a child at one time. We have a hard time going there, don't we? We, we think of Jesus as the Savior, the one who reached out and touched the leopard and gathered the children to him and, and healed and, and preached. 
But we don't think of him as this little boy, which he was. He, he came and experienced everything that we have experienced in this life, including being a child. Now, can you remember back to your childhood? Can you remember what you were like as a child? I see some smiles across the room. Some of you are reflecting that you might have been shy as a child, some even thinking maybe you were inquisitive, and some may be thinking you were a little rambunctious. And some of you are thinking, I can't remember that far back. Mr. Rogers says this, childhood isn't just something we get through. It's a big journey, and it's one we've all taken. Most likely, though, we've forgotten how much we had to learn along the way about ourselves and others. Think about all the things you've learned from the time that you were a little child until now. Enormous, right? And how much more we have yet to learn Reflecting upon my own childhood as I was preparing for today, I can tell you that I was impulsive, yet sensitive. I ranked in that rambunctious category. And I grew up in kind of two neighborhoods. I had uh, the small town through the week, and then we went to the farm on the weekends. So I had the most of, be the most of Beth's world. The best of most worlds. There we go. Whew. And so I got to be a part of both of those neighborhoods, you could say. Something I think God was even equipping me for ministry, even today. Now, my brother and I are 10 years apart. And so both of us technically were raised as only children. So I didn't have a whole lot of socialization, you could say. And I was the baby of the family, the only granddaughter and I was spoiled rotten. So when I started school, my impulsive nature got me in trouble a lot. A lot. Teachers had a difficult time with me. I spent many hours sitting in the hall, and in my first grade class, when paddling was still allowed, you could say that me and the paddle had a close relationship. The first teacher that understood me was Miss Gibbs. She was my fourth grade teacher. Miss Gibbs would ask me questions and she would listen. If I Im impulsively said something in class, she would ask me what, made, what, it, what it was that I thought that made me ask that question. She would stop, and she would listen, and she would seek to understand. She knew I was unique, let's say. And she didn't try to conform me. She accepted me for who I was, and she understood. That year, I got really sick. I mean, really sick. I landed in the hospital for a couple of weeks. She even came to the hospital to visit me. And she made me a present. She hand knit two little Christmas bells, one green, one red, tied them together, and brought them to me as a present. Do you know I still have those Christmas bells? I still hang them on my tree every year. And as I hang them on my tree, I think of Miss Gibbs and how she made a difference in my life. 
When Jesus gathered the children around him, as we just heard Pastor Marvin read from the perspective of Luke, he was making a statement. He was saying, these little ones, they're important. These little ones, they're special, they're unique, they're made in God's image. They're not to be pushed away. They're not to be thought of as second class. They're not to be thought of as discards. They are God's creation. They are our children. They are to be special, unique, and loved. Jesus said, allow the children to come to me. Don't forbid them, because God's kingdom belongs to people like these children. I assure you that whoever doesn't welcome God's kingdom like a child will never enter into it like a child. Because God's kingdom belongs to people like these children. The kingdom belongs to people like these children. In other words, we're to be childlike. Think about your children, your grandchildren, your neighborhood children. What are some of the things that you would think that would bring us into the kingdom of God, a characteristic that they are like that brings us into the kingdom of God? Children have a trusting spirit, don't they? They trust us. They trust us to care for, us, care for them, to make them secure, so safe. They love unconditionally. They don't look for hidden motives behind things. They speak the truth and sometimes painfully, right? I remember when I was um, teaching preschool, we would wear these smocks, these preschool smocks, and they're sort of like our robes. They're not very flattering. And uh, one of the children came up and patted me on the belly and said, do you have a baby in your tummy, Miss Terry? I think the smock ended in the trash can that day. They speak the truth. And how wonderful is childlike excitement, awe. Have you ever been with a child when they caught their first fish and they are excited about that wiggly fish coming up out of the water and what to do with it and some of them like to touch it and some of them don't want anything to do with it. They're excited. Think about a child receiving their first teddy bear or their first doll and how they Oh, love it so. My granddaughter, Addie, is in that stage of development in which everything is exciting. <gasps> everything. I love this stage of development in which they are excited about just being in the presence of someone else. There's childlike dependence, isn't it? They open their arms. They're willing to be scooped up and loved, especially by mommy and daddy. And then there's childlike acceptance. Children don't see on the outside, they see on the inside. They don't see color, they don't see handicap or difference. Uh, a friend of mine sent, a, sent me a YouTube from a few years back where there were two preschoolers, Gia Sarnicola and Zuri Copeland, 
who believed they were twins. They believed they were twins from the time they first got to know each other. And one uh, person asked them why they believed they were twins, and they said, because we're the same height. <laughs> but the world has already tried to tell uh, Gia and Zuri that they're not twins. In fact, one child came up to them and said, you can't be twins because you don't have the same skin color. In which Zuri replied, you don't know what you're talking about because we have the same soul. How true. These little girls, just four years old, have a lot to teach grown-ups, don't they? Children naturally want to accept and love that unconditional love. They see the inside of a person, not the outside. They see the love, they see the kindness, they see the patience. And children naturally want to help someone else. When I was teaching preschool, I had a quiet box, a great big box where children could crawl into it and read with a book, especially if they were sad and they just wanted some time away from everyone else. They could go in this quiet box and be there. And it was numerous times I would walk by the quiet box and I would see two little girls sitting in there together, especially if one was sad. <laughs> children want to help. They want to, to share. They want to continue to reach out to another child. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Jesus said, I assure you that whoever doesn't welcome God's kingdom like a child will never enter it. In other words, we must be childlike in order to experience the fullness of God. To experience that unconditional love, we must trust, we must, we must seek truth, we must live in the excitement of the good news of Jesus Christ and find awe in the world around us and how God works in and through us. We must look through the eyes of love and acceptance instead of a world that teaches us judgment and discrimination. There's a difference between childlike and childish, isn't there? Childish behavior is selfishness, jealousy, gossip, because gossip really is just tattling on our neighbor, right? We must lean into the perfect love of Christ because there's no room in the kingdom for the other stuff, for the other things that are not of God. The Apostle Paul says, we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, what is partial will be brought to an end. But now that I have become a man, I have put an end to childish things. Now we see a reflection in a mirror. Then we will see face to face. Now I know partially, but then I will know completely in the same way that I have been completely known. Now faith, hope, and love remain these three things, and you finish it with me, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. Just imagine if we all had that childlike unconditional love for our neighbor. 
We accepted them for the inside, not the outside. Yet we all miss the mark, don't we? None of us in this room are perfect. Even Mr. Rogers was not perfect. The author of this book, Amy Hollingsworth, um, who wrote The Simple Faith of Mr. Rogers, tells of a time in which Mr. Rogers realized that he had missed the mark totally. She said, I've only heard Fred Rogers describe himself as judgmental once. It wasn't a word typically associated with him. In fact, his character was more likely to be depicted by judgmental's antonyms, merciful, accepting, tolerant. But at least one time he felt the word fit, he said, and its sting changed his life. He goes further to tell her that he'd been in seminary trying to work and, and go to classes, but he was trying to learn homiletics, preaching, and so he wanted to go to churches, different churches each weekend to hear different preachers preach, and he'd made plans with a friend to go to uh, one of the churches in town, something that he'd been looking forward to. When he got there, he found that the preacher that he'd been so for, looking so forward to hear was out of town and they had a pulpit supply preacher and he was a little disappointed but he thought I will stay and listen to the preacher. He goes further to say how disappointed he was that the the preacher missed every rule of homiletics there was out there including reading from a book. And so he the the sermon ended and uh, this is he, he turned to the, to the friend to, you know, complain about the sermon and what the preacher said. And, and before he could, this is what it says, but before he could say anything, his words were muted by the tears that he saw streaming down his friend's face. He said exactly what I needed to hear, she whispered. That bungle of a sermon was exactly what she needed to hear? Fred didn't know what to say. But as he began to ponder the gulf between their reactions, he realized that the essential difference lay within. She had come in need and he had come in judgment. And because of her need and the sincerity of the preacher, the Holy Spirit was able to translate the words. Poorly constructed as they were, he added into exactly what she needed to hear. Oh, if we would just pause before we speak, right? That's what happened. He paused, and the Holy Spirit moved in. And he saw that the Holy Spirit had been working in her and in through the preacher to hear what she needed to hear that day. Oh, but if we would just pause, how God would use that time between us and our neighbor to mold and shape us in the image of his spirit. Mr. Rogers said that moment that God used before he said something had shaped the rest of his life. It's amazing what you can experience when you stop and listen, right? 
when you listen longer than you want to, when you seek to understand before you try to be understood, it's amazing how God will use that and use it, as Mr. Rogers says, as holy ground. James tells us this in his letter. Know this, my dear brothers and sisters, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. That's what Miss Gibbs did for me. She listened. She taught me more in those moments than any teacher ever did. She loved me for who I was, and I knew that in her eyes I was special. Even when she had to reprimand me, which was often, I knew I was loved. Remember the quote, there is something of yourself that you leave at every meeting with another person. Miss Gibbs left something of herself in me with every meeting of my fourth grade class. How are you giving of yourself to another person? When they meet you, what are they taking away? Are they taking away kindness and patience and unconditional love? Or, or are they taking away something else, not of God? You know, each week we, we say a blessing, each week that we have communion, we say a blessing that sends us out into the world. And the blessing goes this way, grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. How are we giving of ourselves to someone else? I'm going to close today with a blessing for our children all over our city and community and for the teachers. And I would, you know, we may not have a, a child physically in our presence that's headed off to school, but each and every child in our community are ours, right? We're connected as a body of Christ, as a community of faith. All of them are our children because they're God's children. And 200-plus kids are over at the connection, probably headed out by now, with a new backpack that they got to pick out and school supplies that you provided. And so we're blessing them, but they're blessing us in this relationship that we have. And so I'd ask you to pray with me. Holy and loving God, we ask that you bless the children who are headed to school this year, from preschool to elementary, may you calm fears. May you show them your way. May you bring that loving touch into their presence. Some of them are leaving mom and dad for the first time in their lives. So we ask that you bring them comfort. For high school and middle school students, we ask that you continue to show them your way, to, to whisper into their ear that they are wonderfully made in your image. Help them to stay clear of the things that whisper otherwise. We pray for our college students and grad school and vocational school students that head away from home 
uh, away into the world, we pray that you would continue to strengthen them, help them to live what you've called them to do, help them to, to be who you've called them to be. May you align with them friends that will encourage them and help along the way. And we pray for our teachers and instructors for every age range. As they get to know their students, may they listen to them, may they know a little bit about them, may they continue to seek who they are. And we ask that you give them the courage to live out their call. You've called them to be teachers. And so we pray that you would bless their efforts and that you would make this year a phenomenal year. Grant that we may go into the world, your children, in the strength of your spirit, to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ our Lord and all of God's children said, Amen. Amen.